Good morning, everyone. My name is Adam. I'm so glad that you are here with us. We are continuing on in our series called Relationship Goals, and this is the last week in that series, and we're wrapping things up by talking about work. So what are some of the goals that you have in your job? Is it to just survive the week and make it to the weekend? Is it to bring home a nice big paycheck? Or maybe to move up the ladder of success? I've had quite an interesting mix of jobs in the time uh, since high school, which hasn't been too long. But I started out with a Saturday morning paper route, and then I've done things like working for a contractor, installing metal roofs and building pole barns. I've done landscaping. One of my favorite jobs was working at my college at the rock climbing wall. So that was super sweet. And now here I am just doing church ministry. Now all of these ministries had something in common, and that is they were all ministry jobs, not just being a pastor. I had the same purpose in each and every one of those jobs. And that purpose was to honor God and to reach people for Jesus. And I didn't always nail that purpose all the time. I didn't always have the mindset that my job was about honoring God. And I didn't always have intentionality to reach people for Jesus. And even now, in the ministry role that I'm in, that's still something that I'm working on. And so I'm willing to bet that we are all in the same boat this morning. That this is something that we could all work on in our lives. And I am super stoked about this morning's message because the reality is that for most of us, our jobs make up one-third of our lives. That is a big chunk of time. And even if we give every other aspect of our life over to God to be used in God's service, if we're not using our jobs to serve God, then we are really missing out on something. And I believe that God has created us to work, to make the world better, and to honor him through doing that. And we can see this all the way back in the first book of the Bible. So if you'd like to follow along with me, you can turn to Genesis chapter 2. It'll also be up here on the screen. And if you don't have your own Bible, just beyond those doors there, we have some copies of God's Word. And that is a free gift to you. If you want to take one of those on your way out, you can read it during the week. You can bring it back to church with you. So if you're turning in your Bibles to Genesis, go to chapter 2, and we'll be picking up in verse 15. So it says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So the man that this verse is referring to is Adam. He's the first human that God ever created, the first man to walk the face of the earth. Now, I was thinking about it this week. Like, Adam didn't have any parents, and he also didn't have history. I mean, he was the start of history, and so he couldn't look back and learn from the past. But Adam didn't wonder about his purpose in life. God was very clear with Adam what his purpose was. God placed him in the garden and gave Adam the role of tending to that garden. Really, Adam had the job of a farmer. And so often, sometimes we just think of work as like a necessary evil. 
Think about all the things that have gone wrong in this world, like you've got mosquitoes and sickness, expensive gas, and we got work. But this job that Adam had in the Bible goes all the way back before the world was ever corrupted by sin, before the world was ever broken and cursed by God. You see, when God gave Adam this job, he also gave Adam this one commandment. And we see that in the next couple of verses here. In verse 16, it says, And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God gives Adam just one command. Don't eat from this tree. Guess what Adam does? He eats from the tree. And the consequence of that is what we see in chapter 3. So if you, in your Bibles, you can turn like one page over to verse 17. And it says, to Adam, he, referring to God, said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from it. All the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And so work itself is not a result of the curse, but hard, laborious work, work that is physically demanding, Emotionally exhausting, socially draining, dramatic, all of that is a result of this curse. And so maybe some of you, you're just trying to chug along through your job. Now maybe you come home from work after a long day and you feel like you need the entire afternoon just to recover from your job so that you can go back and do it again the next morning. I mean, maybe some of you are feeling kind of like this on a daily basis, driving home from work, just thinking about what is next. And ever since sin entered the world, ever since the world was broken as a result of Adam's sin, work has never been the same for us. Even our view of work has been corrupted. There's some of us who just don't want to put in any more work than we have to. We would want to avoid work at all costs, just take the easy road. And then all the way on the other end of the spectrum, there's some of us who really just give work too high of a place in our lives. And so we find our identity and we find our worth in our jobs. And for some of us, our, our work ethic is not quite where it should be or maybe... You don't feel like your job is very satisfying. And you wake up every morning and you're wondering, why am I really doing this? And so we're going to turn to a passage in the Bible called Colossians, written by Paul. And it's written to a church to really address how slaves are to treat their masters. So if you want to follow along with me, you can turn to Colossians chapter 3. And we'll be picking up in verse 22. So this passage will really show us how we can use our jobs to honor God 
and to reach people for Jesus. So I'll read the passage all the way through, and then we'll go back and we'll break it down. So in verse 22, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eyes are on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. I know that where we're at in today's culture might be a little embarrassed that the Bible talks about slavery. Even though the Bible mentions it, God never places his stamp of approval on slavery. And the kind of slavery mentioned here in the Bible is pretty different than the racially driven slavery that we could look back and see in America's past. And so even within the church, there were Christian slaves and there were also Christian masters. And it didn't go against the Bible to be a Christian master. Uh, The sermons weren't about, like, free the slaves because it's very different in this culture. So to kind of give you a picture of what this master-slave relationship was like back in the Bible. If I lived back 2,000 years ago, I would probably be pretty poor. And so say I had trouble putting food on the table, paying for the bills, and so I reach out to Kurt. I'm like, Kurt, I need some money. And so Kurt gives me some money, and he helps me put food on my table. And maybe this goes on for a while, and I'm $100,000 in debt to Kurt. I just don't have the money to pay for it. And so it comes down to I either sell Gabby's dog or I I sell myself into slavery. So I'd sell myself into slavery. And I'd say, all right, Kurt, I will repay this debt by being your slave for three years. And so within those three years, Kurt would provide for my needs. He'd probably give me a place to stay, make sure I have food to eat. But I would work for him, and I wouldn't be taking home a paycheck. I would be repaying my debt to Kurt. And I would be locked in for serving Kurt for those three years. As my master, I would have to do whatever he tells me to do, even if he's a mean master, even if he makes me watch football games with him and cheer for the Browns, I would still have to do it. Uh, So that's just kind of a picture of, what Paul is addressing in this passage. And today, I mean, I think we got it a lot better off. Uh, You can always quit working for your boss. You can always find another job. And so it's not as extreme as the master-slave relationship here, but I think it applies to us just as much. So let's go ahead and look back at verse 22 here. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eyes are on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence to the Lord. So to be totally honest, I wish this verse just said, slaves, obey your earthly masters in some things. Or maybe just the things that are convenient or in the things that I really agree with. But God has a much higher standard than that. He's saying, obey your masters in everything. And I think the only exception to this would be if your boss asked you to do something 
that clearly goes against what God says in his word and what God wants for your life. Um, and so I did, I did some serious collection of data and analysis, and this is what I came up with. So the closer that your boss is to you in proximity, maybe you're a little bit harder worker, but then as your boss is maybe not in the building or there's no accountability from your coworkers, it's a whole lot easier to just pull out your phone, maybe scroll through social media, make a TikTok video or watch a whole bunch of YouTube videos. And that can be uh, really easy to do. And the trouble with that is that we aren't just called to work for our physical bosses and our earthly bosses, but we are called to work for God. Back when I was in high school and working for this contractor, I was doing construction work, and up to that point in my life, I really didn't have a lot of confidence or experience doing that kind of stuff. And so my boss would be working on a project, and I'd be standing there right next to him, just waiting for him to give me instructions. Like, I needed to be told what to do. And my boss would get frustrated with that. He'd say, don't just stand there. Find something to do, anything. And so I'd get busy cleaning up scraps on the ground. I've probably cleaned up, like, a million shingle scraps, or I'd put the tools back away. And even when my boss wasn't around, I would still have his voice in my head saying, don't just stand around, do something. And so I worked really hard to be the kind of worker that my boss wanted me to be and to make my boss happy. But God calls us to take things just a step higher, and that is not just to focus on what your boss wants from you, but to use your job to serve God. Here's kind of a diagram of what it looks like sometimes when we're just focused on meeting the expectations of our boss and doing what our job requires of us. So, I mean, we've got God up there, but, I mean, we think about God on Sundays and God has his own place, and we're just focused on what does my boss require of me? What does my job description say? But another way of thinking about that, and I think that's what these verses teach is, is for us to keep our focus on God and to be striving to meet his expectations and to do what he requires of us. And I think this involves obeying our bosses and being good and honest workers. I think, too, that oftentimes we think of worship as just going to church on a Sunday morning, listening to worship music, participating in worship music. But even our jobs are worship. When we work our jobs in the service of God, then that is a way that we can worship him. Let's go ahead and look at verse uh, 23 here. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Now, maybe you've heard the phrase before, make a difference for eternity. Oftentimes, we say that phrase, and we're talking about 
like reaching people for Jesus. And so if they're saved, then they'll go to heaven or serving in the church. And all of that is true. But there's an area of our lives that I don't think we think of when it comes to um, making a difference for eternity. And that is even in our works. When we are good, honest workers in our jobs, that makes a difference for eternity because God will someday reward us when we are with him in heaven for the good, honest work that we do in this life. And I don't know about you, but that is an encouragement to me because historically I have been that guy that just works hard, messy jobs and hardly gets paid anything for it. And so really hoping for a big reward up there in heaven. But these rewards that God has in store for us it's kind of like a retirement account. Like, you're getting rewards, but you don't see it right away, and you won't be able to access it until a later date. And so even though you don't see it, it doesn't mean that it's not there. So that's, that's the good news. The scary part for me is that just as God will pay us for the good things that we do in our job, he will also repay us for the bad work that we do. And I don't think this means... Like, for all the times that you make a mistake or accidents happen, you cut the wrong piece of material or something like that, I think this is along the lines of not obeying your boss, not being an honest worker, and not putting your heart into your work. And there's some things that you can do when your boss isn't around. Maybe nobody else there is around for accountability. You could pull out your phone. You could waste company hours. You could use company materials. And nobody else knows, and it looks like you get away with it. But the reality is that God sees everything that you are doing, and you will be held accountable to that at the end of your life. And I don't know what exactly it looks like for God to repay us for the wrong that we do, but at the very least, when we do that, we are missing out on the eternal rewards that we could have if we were good, honest workers and using our work in the service of God. And this doesn't mean that you have to be moving 100 miles an hour at work all the time or you can never catch a break or anything like that. But your work ethic and the way that you work really shows who you are serving. Your work ethic reveals your God. The way that you work is, is a window into your life. And some people might be able to look into your life and see that you are really working for the glory of God, like you have a higher standard for yourself, for the kind of work that you do. You have a higher standard for the way that you treat other people. And then some of you, like, people could look at your work ethic and see that, I mean, you're really just striving for comfort, to take the easy route, to only do as much as you really have to. And it reveals that you're really just kind of working for yourself. Or others of us, we might struggle with making our job an idol in our lives. I know that's so hard in today's culture where really our culture promotes busyness like it's a virtue and, and not to be stereotypical, but this is something that guys really struggle with, that men really struggle with, and I'm right up there with you. See, my, my struggle is that I'll attach my value and my identity to my work. And so if I'm doing well at work and I'm seeing good results, 
and I'll feel good about myself, but if things are also kind of crashing down at work or I feel like it was a slow work week and I might feel like I just don't have any value or I don't measure up. If it's a slow work week, I think about other people looking into my life and what are they thinking? Are they thinking that I'm just a lazy worker? Like, eh, maybe they're going to think I'm not saved or something like that. I'm doing the work of ministry and I don't know. And so that's what's really tough for me. And I know that some of you, uh, it is easy to find your value and your significance at work and, and to be able to see those tangible results in your job. And maybe that's the place where you get affirmation. And so you're putting in more and more hours at your work and spending less and less time with your family or being involved in church because, well, maybe the efforts you put in to invest in your, in your family isn't as tangible. You can't see that as well. Or maybe you don't get the kind of affirmation there that you get over here. And my challenge for you is if somebody in your life is telling you that you are working too much, that you just stop and ask yourself, are the extra hours that you're putting into work, is that for the service of God? Or is that because you've made work an idol in your life? Now, the second point here is that your work ethic speaks louder than your words. And I really do believe that our, our job is probably the biggest platform that we have for reaching people for Jesus. Like if our jobs make up one-third of our lives, that is a lot of time. And the way that you work your job, does it build you respect and credibility to be able to speak into the lives of people? Like, are you a hard worker that has earned people's respect to the point that they want to listen to you and hear what you have to say? Or is the reverse true where they really wouldn't respond well to an invitation to church or a conversation about God because you're just kind of the slacker on the job? And then lastly, your integrity is worth more than your paycheck. And integrity is really just doing what's right even when nobody is looking. And I think that God is way more pleased with us. Even if we're working a job that doesn't bring in a very big paycheck, if we're using that job to serve God, to worship him, and to reach people for Jesus, he is much more pleased with that than when we're working a job that brings in all kinds of money, but we're just using our job for our selfish ambition. And no matter what job you have, my hope for all of us this morning is that we would see our jobs as worship to God, that we would see our jobs as ministry. Ministry isn't just about being a pastor or a missionary or full-time at a church. I think really we are all in full-time ministry when we have this right mindset. Now, one of the guys in the church, his name is Jason Corby, and I've had the privilege to get to know him a little bit better recently, and he's somebody who I have seen is putting some of this stuff into action, and so I asked him to come up this morning and just to ask him some pretty real questions about how do we put this into practice in our lives, to use our jobs to honor God and to reach people for Jesus, because I, I'm doing, I guess, vocational ministry now. So I think it's helpful to hear just another voice of somebody who's doing it in the real world. How's it going? 
All right. Hello. Um, hold it down a little more. Hello. There we go. We got it. Sweet. So this is Jason. Jason, what do you do for your job? Uh, so growing up, they always ask you the question, uh, what do you want to do for work? Uh, and so I told my parents I want to do something different every day. Um, on Monday, I wanted to be a doctor, and Tuesday, I wanted to be a fireman, and Wednesday, I wanted to be a garbage man, and they said, that's not how it works. You have to pick one and then and then do it. Um, but right now, pretty much my job, I do something different every day. Uh, so they were wrong. Um, <laughs> but um, I work for a construction company uh, that specializes in airport construction. Uh, so we travel all over the country. Um, and I'm the director of operations there. So do a little bit of everything um, in that business. Awesome. So in your job, what is the difference in your mindset, the difference in your performance when you are working for God versus just working for your earthly boss? Yeah, so growing up, uh, one of the things that I remember from uh, my pastor growing up was this phrase, um, and he used to say, God is so much easier to please than people. Um, and I found that to be incredibly true, um, both personally and then also uh, in the workforce. I think God has standards that never change. Um, and so if that's who you're looking to please, uh, then you'll be able to consistently please him if you follow uh, the biblical principles where uh, oftentimes people are, you know, not as easy to please. Uh, their expectations change. Sometimes you, uh, you know, work super hard and they're not pleased or uh, they only point out your flaws or, or different things like that. And I think when you look, work for the Lord, um, it's, it's easy to be successful and, and he will uh, reward you for that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, how do you still do your work with excellence, but also guard your heart from finding your value and your identity in what you do for a job? Yeah, that's one thing um, that I think is a struggle uh, for me personally um, to, to focus on the success at work and to get value from that. You talked about the affirmation um, that you get. If you are working on a piece of equipment that doesn't work and then you fix it, then it's very rewarding. Um, if you have a conversation with your kids or you're investing in them, um, it's not as tangible of a reward. Um, even financially speaking, um, I have yet to find a financial reward from being a good uh, dad or husband. Um, Still waiting on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but work, you obviously have some uh, financial uh, you know, goals and accomplishments. One thing, I love a challenge. Um, and so if I can accomplish a challenge, then it, uh, it boosts my self-esteem, and it's easy to focus on that for me. So it is a struggle for me um, to do that. One thing that I think helps is recognizing that God has gifted me, um, whether you're someone that can fix equipment or whether you're someone that's really good with numbers or um, even staying home with your kids. There is different giftedness that God's given us, and when we are acting like that and when we're when we're fulfilling our giftedness, then that's kind of a service to the Lord um, and a reflection of his giftedness instead of my skill set, and that's helpful. Yeah, that's good. Now, how does your view of work affect your family? Uh, so growing up, um, I learned the value of hard work um, at a very young age. My parents, uh, we heated with wood, um, 
And so I was the source of heat for the, um, <laughs> the house. Um, so growing up, we were taught, you know, the value of hard work. And I think um, your attitude towards your work is a reflection towards um, your kids. They're watching you come home from work every day, and they're, you know, the only thing we tell our, our employees and guys we work with, the only thing your wife or kids know about your work is what you tell them. Um, and so if you come home and you're complaining about it and, and your attitude is bad towards it, then they're just going to think, well, work is this terrible place. <laughs> um, but if you show them that, you know, we're working under the Lord, then it's very beneficial uh, for them to have that mindset. Um, even, as a, even at a young age, um, as you teach your kids work ethic and different things, make sure you're teaching them that they're working for the Lord and not just for mom and dad. Um, and that we're also working for the Lord next to them. So that's, that's been helpful. So you're teaching spiritual lessons through uh, chores there, right? <laughs> yes. That's good. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. Now, how do you do ministry in a non-ministry job? Uh, yeah, I think a non-ministry job is kind of an oxymoron because uh, if, if ministry is serving the Lord and you view God as your boss, then every day you go to work, you're serving the Lord, and that is... Uh, ministry. Uh, so I think having that mindset at work really allows you to um, be engaged in that. And then when you view work, going to work as going to ministry um, and serving the Lord, it, it can give you a different attitude and perspective instead of uh, serving man. So, Yeah, that's good. So like in some sense, we're all in full-time ministry if we just do everything that we do for the glory of God. Yep. And yeah, that's good. Now, how does your work ethic play a role in your impact in the lives of people that you work with? Yeah, so I think um, there's not a ton of work ethic uh, left. <laughs> I think work ethic is dwindling uh, the further uh, time goes. Um, and so I think when you do have hard work, um, people often ask, you know, well, why are you working so hard? Or um, We have different guys in the crews. I travel. Um, to be with the guys on the crews that we have, and we have laborers who don't know anything, and then we have foremen and, and different guys like that. And a lot of times the guys in the office um, don't go out in the field. Um, they'd rather stay in the air conditioning. <laughs> and so when you're out in the field, um, working with the guys right alongside them, um, a lot of times they'll ask you, like, well, why are you out here? Like, shouldn't you be in the office? Like, where are the other office guys? And so it gives you an opportunity to just say, like, well, no, I don't view myself as better than you and um, because of the biblical principles of that and just working uh, onto the Lord. Yeah, that's good. Uh, last question here is, what are the values that drive you to be a hardworking man of integrity? So one of my favorite passages of Scripture, uh, and it's a parable, is found in Matthew 25, um, and it's the parable of the talents. Um, and I'm just going to read some of it, and, and this is kind of what gives me motivation um, to serve the Lord and whatnot. It says in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two talents gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And I think the first part of that that's encouraging to me is that everyone has different talents and gifts and abilities. Um, so 
not everyone has the skill set to get up on Sunday morning and, and preach. Not everyone has the ability to fix a car or uh, to be good with finances or any of those things. And so it's encouraging that um, you know, we all have different abilities. I don't need to uh, try to do what your abilities are. And, and likewise, if you have five talents, then you shouldn't look down on someone who just has one talent. Um, and so this passage, as it goes on, um, it says, he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I think from a motivation standpoint, what you talked about with the, the heavenly reward, um, getting to heaven and hearing God say, well done, good and faithful servant. And in this context, it's, it's relating to work. It's not, uh, you know, well done on some of the other things, but it's directly related to work. And I think what's important in this passage is that it's about usage. It doesn't, he doesn't really say, good job, you got a 100% increase or anything. He just says, good job, you tried. Um, and the guy with one talent obviously didn't try, and then he takes that talent away from him. But I think when we get to heaven, the, the rewards, um, I think we're going to work in heaven. Um, and so I think some people get to retirement and they think, well, I'm never going to work again. Um, but I think, yeah, when we get to heaven is in this story is talking about where the additional rewards are going to, going to come from and, and being a good steward of those talents, um, and gifts that he's given you. Yeah. As you were reading that and kind of what we've been talking about, about working for God as our boss, it makes me think that maybe some of us, we've got four talents like that God has given us, the resources and the abilities that he's given us. But then maybe our job description and the expectation of our boss is really for us to be on a, a three-talent level. And so if we're just working for our earthly boss, we might just meet that standard and call that good enough when we're not reaching the full capacity of what God has called us to do and the capacity that he's given us. And so I think if we're working like God is our boss, that'll help us to reach the highest capacity for using the gifts and abilities and the resources that God has given us um, than just what our job requires. Yeah, and I think when you do that, then other people will see, well, your only job requires you to do this, but if you go above and beyond, then it's an opportunity to explain why you're you know, working at a, at a certain level or why your standard is is higher than someone else's. Yeah, I think it's easy to say, like, well, that's above my pay grade, and just, like, stay in your place instead of being that kind of worker that just goes above and beyond and uh, sets an example to others. Yeah, and I think from my experience in construction, anyone who goes above their pay grade typically makes it to the next pay grade. <laughs> that's typically yeah. what happens. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Well, thank you, Jason. I really appreciate you coming up here this morning. Uh, just as we close things out, one application step from this morning if you want to take advantage of this, we have a screen up here that if you text the keyword work, that's lowercase w-o-r-k, to that phone number, then you'll receive a prayer prompt every day for a week. And so that's just a text message that'll remind you to be praying uh, in your job or maybe some specific ideas of who or what you can be praying about. Uh, so if you want to take advantage of that, you can pull out your phones and text in that keyword to that number. And that just gets us that reminder that our jobs really are for the service of God. And just one final thing is 
just wanted to talk about Financial Peace University for a minute. Now, this isn't just me advertising it, but Financial Peace University is a resource that is for helping you steward your money well to get out of debt and to put aside money and savings. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're in a good place financially, or maybe you're wondering how you're going to make it. And whatever camp you are in, I think this can be a really helpful resource for just managing your money well and using it uh, and stewarding it for the service of God. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for just the conversation that we could have this morning about using our jobs in the service of you. God, that's just such a big chunk of our lives, and I ask that we would really keep our thoughts on you and not be distracted by the things of this world. I ask that we would just view our jobs as worship to you, and I ask that we would worship you in our attitudes in our efforts and work, and in the way that we treat other people. And I ask that people would just have a window into our lives and look in and, and see that we are different. And I ask that uh, we would just have a good testimony to other people and help us to just look forward to that day when we are with you in eternity and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. I ask that we would earn that, um, that we would be fixated on eternal rewards and just seeking your approval, God, and not uh, letting our emotions get dragged all over the place with trying to meet the approval and expectations of others. And I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.